I have something to share with you today that's going to be a real blessing to you in your life. We don't want a service to, to occur here where you just leave without something. You know, a couple years ago, I started to take giving seriously. Um, I believe what the Bible says that if you give, what will happen? You'll receive. If you give, it'll be given to you, the word says. And that's not just talking about money or things, things like that. It's talking about any area that you want to receive in, you need to give in. And so I purposed, you know, when we when started ministering here in the church that I really want to not just preach on something, but I want to give you something. Are you OK? I want to give you something that you can take and that you can use. I mean, right away and you can put into practice and that it will really work. How many like things that work? I like things that work. The word of God works. The things of God, if you put them into practice, will work for you and cause great, great blessing to come to your life. Big time. I'm going to share with you something that's so strong in me. If I could, I would just, you know, rip your spirit out of your body and force it in there. But you can't do that. That's not how that's not how revelation comes. It takes a receiver. So let me say today that my guns are loaded. My guns are loaded. I got something for you. Not something I made up, something I found and I received it. But I need you to receive big. How many are big receivers? Good, good. Because uh, I want you to see in Ephesians 3 what happens to big receivers. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that's at work within us. Isn't that a good verse? Now, we know that human authors were used by God to pen the Bible, but the, but the Bible is the word of God to us. And doesn't it, didn't it just say that he is able to do immeasurably, the King James says, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you and I can ask or think. Let me tell you one thing I've learned about God. He does not exaggerate. He does not exaggerate. He doesn't say that it's, you know, a 10-foot fish if it was a 10-inch fish. Right? You've met people that have told fish stories before. And every time they tell the story, it gets bigger. Or, you know, war stories. That they, yeah, man, they're the virtual hero. Well, everybody else in their platoon was dead. They can't defend the truth anyhow, so they make it bigger every time they tell it. Right? But does God do that? No, he does not do that. God is truth and he is incapable. One thing that the Bible says that God cannot do is lie. And if he said it was 10 foot when it was only uh, three foot, he lied. He doesn't do it. So what, what truthfully, realistically, you know, where the rubber meets the road, what is God able to do? He is really able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you and I can ask or think. How many could think you could just ask a lot? Huh? Why haven't you? You have to believe that he's, he's able 
to do that and way beyond. And I want you to notice something. How is he able to do that? It's according to his power at work within us. But I want to tell you this morning that he's not the only one responsible for his power working in you. Whether or not his power works in you is our, really our care and our responsibility. And that's, that's it's really, you know, if you want to boil every message I ever preached down to, to one phrase, it's how to receive from God what God wants to give you. Amen. Now in John 10, you found John 10 too, right? We read Ephesians 3. And in John 10, the 10th verse, which is familiar to many of you, says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Who steals and kills and destroys? Is God a thief? The thief's talking about who? Satan, Satan the devil, our adversary, our enemy. Do you know that you have somebody that's, that's an opponent lined up against you? Hmm? You know, at the risk of overusing an obvious illustration, you know, today at 1 o'clock there's going to be two teams lined up against each other. And the offensive line faces the defensive line and their opponents. You have somebody lined up in the neutral zone Come on now, against you, against you, looking to take you out. And his purpose is, you know what he does. He steals, he kills, and destroys. But I got such good news for you in the next phrase. God said, I am come. Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am come. And he tells you the purpose, that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, I want to say something to you here. Have it to the full. That is a terrible translation. That is a terrible translation. The Greek language does not say to the full. It does not. It does not. It's okay to, to make the Word of God simple when you're translating it, but toning it down is not good. Huh? Toning it down is not right. And I think the translators, you know, and they're much more educated men than I and many of them. But I can tell you what the original Greek says, and they could too, look in the same dictionary I looked in. And I'm going to tell you what the word is for full. It's the Greek word perisos. It's, it's from the Greek word peri, which means beyond. Which means to go beyond. And the Greek word Perisos, the best word to translate that would be abundantly. King James got it right. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And here's the literal definition of that word perisos. You ready to hear it? Here it is. Super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. Oh man. So full just doesn't, it doesn't tell it all, does it? He came that you might have life and that you might have it super abundant in quantity and superior in quality. How many like superior quality? Huh? You ever look in the catalog and it says good, better, best? How many never look at the best? Hmm? How many always say, well, best is for somebody else. I just go, you know, good is good. Don't do that. Don't do, who's best for? 
The drug dealers? The crooked lawyer? No, no, the children of God. That's who best is for. Just checking to make sure you knew that. Super abundant in quantity, superior in quality. And the dictionary says, by implication, the word means excessive. Excessive. That's what the Greek word, that's what the word means. It's not what I decided it means. That's what the scholars who wrote the dictionary, the people who spoke the language, say this is what this word means. Parisos, excessive. Jesus said, I'm come not to steal, not to take away, not to kill, not to destroy, but I'm come that you might have excessive life. Excessive life. Uh, now, when I say life, don't just think of your physical existence because that's not what, the, what it's talking about at all. Your physical existence, I mean, I mean, excessive physical existence would be, you know, 300 years. I don't know about you. I don't even want to be here that long. Huh? I want long life, but not, you know, excessive physical life because, you know, as good as this world gets, heaven is really cool. And, and there's a time when your work is done here. And I'll tell you, I don't want to stay really a second longer than when my work's done. And it's the right time. And I'll tell you, when you're 40 is not the right time. When you're 50 is not the right time. When you're 60 is not the right time. Hello. When you're 70 and when you're in your young 80s, when you're in your low 80s is not the right time to check out. I'll tell you if it's okay to go. And it's not right now. Just wanted those of among us who, are, who have been young a long time to know that they're, they don't need to be thinking about going yet. But when it's the right time, you'll know it on the inside and it'll be right. And, and you go on to a better place, a place of glory where you also have excessive life. But the excessive life he's talking about, it's the word, the Greek word that we would talk about our physical life is the word bios. We get the word biology from it. But the word that, that's used here is the word zoe and it means the life of God. Life as God lives it. And that's what, this, that's what the word is here. I am come that you might have an excessive measure of the life of God. And that manifests in your natural life here in a lot of different ways. So we don't, I don't like that word full. And this word excessive is the same Greek word that we read in Ephesians 20 that's translated exceedingly abundantly above. Parisos. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. He's able to do excessively more than you ask or think. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have it. So we know from Ephesians 3 that God can do it. We know from John 10 that he wants you to have it. You know, it's one thing to know that he can do it, but you know, if you don't know he wants you to have it, well, so what? I'm going to wear a hole in the carpet today, pacing back and forth. Listen now, did you hear what I said? We, God can do it. And he wants you to have it. God can do what? He, want, he can do excessively, ex exceedingly, bigly, largely, hugely, above all that you and I can ask or think. He can do it. He can do it. And he wants you to have it. He wants you to have it. He came. He sent Jesus. He said, I'm come so you can have what I can do. He can do it and you can have it. He can do 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 it. God can 
do it. And you can have it. God can do it. So, you know, to say you have life to the full, you know, if you had a, a, if you, if a glass is full, there is an equal amount of liquid in proportion to the capacity of that glass, right? If it's full. God is not in any way only equal to the needs in our life. No. No, 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 no. No, he's not equal. He's not equal to the task. Amen. You know, employers sometimes do not want to hire somebody that's overqualified. Now, we would think, well, that doesn't make sense. But how many have heard of a situation where they, they told you, sorry, you're overqualified? Why don't they want you? Number one, you demand more, you command more money, right? And number two, you're liable to do too good of a job and get them out of their job. Come on, huh? You're liable to do too good of a job. You're overqualified. Can I tell you this morning that God is grossly overqualified when it comes to meeting the needs of anything that we could have in our life? He's way overqualified. And he will, he will just go way beyond what we need him to do. And it's not within the nature of his makeup. It's not within that, his nature to be contained or to be confined. It's just not. And so if you only want your needs met, God is not for you. If you just want your needs met, you don't want God. Because he doesn't do that. If he's for you if you don't mind the need being exceeded. Would you turn to... Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. I, I mean, I believe that people are going to get happy in here. Not leave the service. Not walk out of the service, but be happy about this. Go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I don't like hype. I don't like what we, you know, I don't know what terms they use now. I grew up as a, I was a jazz musician and still am. and haven't been able to break my habit of that yet, but... Um, we grew up with a terminology of our own. You know, we were so cool. And we would use the term jive. Man, that guy's just jive. I don't like jive. You know what I mean? I don't like hype. I don't like just people pumping you up for the sake of hot, blowing a lot of hot air and making a lot of noise. But I'll tell you, when, I mean, you just hear the word of God. And I get, I get loud and I get excited and I pace the carpet and I walk around and it ain't hype. And it's not jive. It's real. It's genuine. And when you get excited about it, it's when it works for you. When it's working in you. I'll say this to you. And this one statement could change your life or you could not even listen to it. But if it's not real to you, it's not working in you. If it's old to you, it's not working in you. If you want to work in you, it's got to be real to you. It's got to be living to you. Psalm 23, have you found it? Has anybody read Psalm 23 before? It starts out pretty good, doesn't it? I'm in the book of Psalms. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, if he's the shepherd, what's that make us? Sheep. 
The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall not want. Have you ever been in want? Why don't you confess that over yourself? Point to yourself and say, I don't want. I don't want for life. I don't want for health. I don't want for strength. I don't want for money. Brother Hagin used to always say, I say that one twice. Let's say that twice. I don't want for money. I don't want for friends. I, I don't want for achievement. You could go on and on, couldn't you? The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, who, who, who's, who is the me he's talking about? The Lord's the shepherd. What are you? The sheep. Now, a sheep lying down. Think of it. A sheep. Why would a sheep lie down? In green pastures, green pastures represent food and provision, right? Why would a sheep be lying down? Because he can't eat another bite. He can't take in any more. Huh? And the only thing left to do is just plop down after that last bite. Come on, how many have done that? You have Thanksgiving, you just eat, <laughs> and you just eat, and you just eat, and you say... I'm going to go in the other room and you get in a recliner and you're done. You're gone. He makes me to lie down and fluffy is lying down in green pastures. There's food all around, but he don't need any provision. He's full. That's the only reason a sheep would lie down in the middle of feeding time. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, anything we preach, we don't mean to insinuate or say that you'll never have tests or trials or problems if you serve God. Matter of fact, when we get excited about his goodness, lots of times there are two or three things going on. <laughs> but we just know we're overcoming. We always have with God before. We'll overcome it again. Amen. So even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't fear evil. How come? How come? Because you're with me. You're with me. Do you know that he's with you? When you're walking around, when you're doing your thing, do you know God's with you? Do you have that? Do you have that? Not just a mental knowledge, but do you have that inner knowing? Man, God's with me. God is with me. I know it. Yeah, you're not afraid when God's with you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's the rod and the staff all about? Praise the Lord. We can't get into everything here. I mean, you know, there's, the Bible talks about two things about God that will never change. And I believe those two things are the Word and the Spirit of God. That we all, what do we have from God that's a constant in our life? We have His Word, never changes. We have His Spirit, never changes. Anyhow, I'm not saying that's the rod and staff. Could be. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you know that you have enemies, like we talked about a little bit earlier, you have, a, you have enemies who do not want you to have excessive, abundant life. But in the presence of those, and what are those enemies? I mean, they can be lack. They can be discouragement, right? Deficiency. When you don't have enough, do you see it as an enemy? Or are you cuddling up to it? Well, that's just the economy, the way it is. 
So we're just going to deal with this. And no, it's an enemy. Don't treat your enemies like friends. It's like, no, no, you don't lack. You get out of my deficiency. You get out of my life. He prepares you a table. Figure there's anything on the table. Just scoot up, scoot up your chair to the table in the presence of your enemies. I haven't gotten to the part I want to get to yet. We'll get there, though. (laughs) You anoint my head with oil and my cup. That's what I want to talk about. My cup overflows or runs over. I'm talking to you today in case you haven't picked up on it. I'm talking to you about abundance. I want these things to get in you. I want you to see yourself have an excessive life in every area. I want to come on now. I want you to see you have an excessive strength. I want you to see you have an excessive uh, provision in your account. What's excessive? It, it means all your stuff taken care of and you still got left over. Hmm? Can you see yourself? You need to. You need to. Your vision is so important. I mean, it's what your faith will never produce any more than what you see yourself doing. We need people who are vision, uh, visionaries and can see themselves doing what God says is theirs. And so many times, you know, you share what you see, you saw in the Bible and somebody right there is right there to tell you why it can't happen. You need to be a vision caster, not a vision blaster. Come on now. You need to be a vision caster. Not a vision blaster. I mean, we, we were with the teenagers the other night, and man, we got with them, and we just started telling them what they could do with, with Jesus. That all things, right, all things are possible if we'll what? Believe. Believe. <laughs> right, you remember it. What are we trying to do? Trying to get them to see themselves doing what God says they can do. The one, the one gentleman's not here today. He wants to play football, and he lacked courage. Lacked boldness to just, lacked courage to get in there and do it. And I'll tell you, I looked at the kid. It's the only thing he lacks because he's got, he's got the size, man. He's got, he's got legs like, you know, tree trunks. He's, he's big, isn't he? All he needed was courage. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. You just got to see yourself. I, ta- I taught him, <laughs> I taught him how to hit. <laughs> brother Hagen, who you know I traveled with, his brother, was not a believer for most of his life, and he was a fighter. And I don't mean a, a boxer. I mean like a, a get-put-in-jail kind of fighter. And <clears throat> he taught Brother Hagen's son, who was my pastor, Kent, he taught him how to fight. And he said, son, you, do, you never aim for their nose. He said, he said, Ken, aim for the back of their head through their nose. You aim for the back of their head through their nose, and then you'll get the nose. You just aim the nose, you're liable to just graze it. And so I taught, I taught the football player that the other night. I said, you know, don't try and put the guy on the ground. Go for a few feet under the ground. <laughs> Hallelujah. My cup runs over. Now listen here, I have some things I want to minister to you. I'm not getting to, to well, we're getting to the, what we need to, aren't we? The size of your cup. God will always overflow your cup. The size of your cup is not fixed. The size of your cup is not fixed. Your cup represents your faith, your vision, your heart to receive. 
Do you know that if you have shot glass faith, God will overflow it? God will overflow it. Now, if you have big gulp faith, how many know what a big gulp is? From 7-Eleven. Nobody should drink that much pop <laughs> at one time. That would last me a week. But if you, what if you have big gulp faith? What if you got a big gulp cup? What will God do? He will run it over. Did the Bible say, my cup is half full? Huh? My cup is full. It didn't say my cup is full. What did it say? It runs over. God, I want you to know, is a cup running over God. He's an overflowing God. How big your cup is is not up to God. It's up to you and I. We, don't you know Jesus said we all start out with mustard seed faith? He said you just use what you got. You develop it. You can develop it. You can grow it or you can leave it tiny. God likes big gulps. You know, when you're, when you're going, checking out in the grocery store, there's all kind of magazines. I'm not even talking about the tabloids. Just the women's magazines, you know. Uh, Cosmopolitan. What's a red book? And I don't know about good housekeeping, but... But I mean, some of them that, that, that draw your attention by the little things they say, and, and they, they want to sell magazines, so they talk about uh, America's favorite subject, which is sex. And uh, they have things from his perspective, right? And how many have seen, uh, you know, what he really wants you to know? Secrets, <laughs> what he really wants you to know. Who is he? <laughs> Who is he? Somebody that probably ain't even married. Who's sex for, by the way? Married. Sex is for married people. Should I say that over here? Who's sex for? Huh? So everybody say it. Married people. Well, we're going to be married, which is the same, exactly the same as what? Not being married. So, so things he really wants you to know or what she really wants you to know. And one of the things they talk about is there's certain parts, well, one part in particular of a man's body, and there's parts of a woman's body that could come in different sizes. And, um, you know, and so the question they ask is, does size really matter? I want you to know with God, size matters. So tell, turn to your neighbor and tell him size matters. Size matters. He wants a big cup to fill and to run over. Anybody awake in church? Are you awake today? Say it again. Come on. Size matters. Turn to 2 Kings. Talking about the size of your faith, the size of your inner cup. <laughs> Some of y'all better remember what we really talked about. Second Kings 4, you're thinking, what was Pastor thinking about when he was trying to get this message together? Second Kings 4. How many have found, if you, if you got it, say, I got it. Verse 1, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, who was a prophet, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming. Uh-oh. Collection agency. Collection agency is coming to take my two boys as slaves. That's not abundant life, is it? No. That would steal. That would, that would kill her in a sense, and that would destroy the family. The creditor coming. 
Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I want you to underline that if you would, because that's a big key to your miracle. What do you have in the house? You might say what this woman said. Nothing at all. Except a little oil. Don't overlook your seed. What you have in your house is your seed. And I mean not just in your house, but, but you know, within the realm of your control, your seed. Nothing at all except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, set it to the side. She left him, afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Do you see that? What did she have? Nothing at all except a little bit of oil, and she kept pouring. Verse 6, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped. She, glory to God. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay, the, pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left. The need was she needed to pay her debts. She got more than that. She got to pay all her debts off and live off the rest. But there's some things I want you to see. I know it said that the oil stopped when, uh, when the jar was full. But, you know, if it was just up to her jars, it would have overflowed, gone over the, all over the place. She would have lost it. So, so she was told, you go borrow as many jars as you can. What if she'd only borrowed three jars? The oil would have stopped at three jars. Those jars were the size of her, her the size of their inner cup was what determined how many jars they went and borrowed. You see that? Was it up to God how much oil they had? Who was it up to? How many jars they went and got? Before there was any oil. Come on now, everybody. Before there was any oil, there was just a little bit. And, and how big their vision was on the inside was how many jars they got. And that's how big their miracle was. That's how big their provision was. What do you got in the house? Oh, nothing, just a little oil. We'll go get jars. Don't get a few. Get a bunch. She could have gotten enough jars to meet the need. And if she only believed that God was a need meter, she would have said to the boys, well, you know what? I think about five jars full of oil would get this debt paid off. But they just kept getting jars and getting jars. And if they had gotten more jars, they would have had more oil. But they, they, the need was exceeded. The debt was paid off. And they got to take a little vacation because they had leftover. Come on, everybody. You, you see that? Praise God. Now, how come? So how come our needs aren't being met and our needs aren't being exceeded? Because you have big gulp needs with shot glass faith. Big gulp needs, shot glass faith. Pastor, it's not that simple. Tell Jesus that. He, wrote the, he helped write the Bible. The Word of God is simple. My Lord, what, do we, what else do we get to? We had a few minutes. 
and a lot in the Word. Thank you, Lord. You want to look at something else? Because I'm not just, uh, we're getting there. We're not there yet, you know what I mean? Get, getting this to you. Go to Genesis 13. Genesis, first book in the Bible, Genesis. Hallelujah. Are you in Genesis chapter 13? Verse 1 talks about Abram, later known as Abraham. Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had and Lot with him. Lot was Abraham's nephew, you know. Verse 2, would you look at it? It said Abraham had become very wealthy. Everybody say very wealthy. In livestock and silver and gold. Go down to verse 5. It says, Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great, so big, that they couldn't stay together. So they split. Question to everybody. Did God know how many cows that land would hold? But the, there were too many cows for the land. They had to split up and take more land. Question, could Abraham have gotten by with fewer cows? Then why did God, why did God bless them with so many cows? More than, the land could, more than the land could hold. There's a word that God does not seem to understand. I love the Lord. He is awesome. And sometimes we say he's perfect. But God does not understand the word enough. He doesn't understand that word enough. See, Abraham did not need all those cows. God blessed him with them anyway. And why did he do that? Because it's not just according to your need that you get blessed. It's according to your obedience, your faith, your sowing. And if it's too much for the land to hold, that's too bad. You're going to have to find a way to deal with it. Because with God, enough is not enough. I'm going to, I'm going to, I promise you, we're going to get this today. We're going to get, go to John 6. John 6. You're doing a good job receiving. I'm doing my best. God's helping us. John 6. God, God doesn't understand the word full. He doesn't understand the word enough. He just keeps going. He, 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 he runs the cup over. Spills it out on the ground. And isn't very concerned about doing that. How many have gone to the gas station recently and filled your vehicle up? Hmm? How many just after it was full said, ah, who cares, and just kept squeezing the thing till it, till it just all went over the place? Huh? How many just took the thing, squirting out, pulled it out of your tank, and went over to the next person and said, you want some of this? Come here, you want some of this? No, you don't do that. Why? Because you, you operate in the realm of enough. Full is just right. That's not God. 
We need to get our mind renewed to what God is like. Let me just show you here in John 6 another example where God blew it. There was a need, and God did not meet the need. He miscalculated again. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to, verse 1, far shore of the sea. A great crowd of people followed him because they saw miracles and and signs. Um, Verse 5, Jesus looked up, saw this great crowd coming towards him. He said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? And it says he asked this just to test Philip because he already had it in him what was going to happen. Jesus said in verse 10, have the people sit down. Plenty of grass in that place. They sat down 5,000. Everybody say 5,000. 5,000 of them. Jesus took the loaves. Now, there was a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. You know, people that want to try and, and intellectually explain the miracles of God. There's, there's people that write big, fat, thick books about the Bible um, because they don't know God. And, and so they, what they say in those books was, well, the, the, the loaves were very big in, these, in those days and, and the fish were huge. A boy was carrying it, a little boy. It was his lunch for the, that mama packed him. It was his lunch. What, was he harnessed to a wagon? You know, <laughs> This is a boy's lunch. When, now, Jesus, verse 11, he took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Everybody say, as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the loaves left over. 12 baskets. You ever seen pictures of the baskets they use over there? 12 baskets. Of leftovers. What is wrong with Jesus? Who do you figure got those 12 baskets? That boy who sowed his lunch. Huh? 12 baskets. 12 unbelieving apostles that needed to learn a lesson. Guys, take them. Follow that boy home. There was too much lunch. Too much lunch. And God was cool with it. Will you look at one more passage? Luke 5. We've been taught, haven't we, you know, over the years that that money and stuff is evil. And churches do preach all the time and they do it in our day right now, 2000, whatever we're in. They preach that you should not expect too much. How many have ever heard this come from a pulpit? God never promised to meet our wants. He only promised to meet our needs. How many have ever heard that statement? What did Psalm 23, 1 say? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all kind of wants. (laughs) Huh? Why don't they read the Bible? The Lord's my shepherd. I don't want for anything. Amen. Glory to God. Why do people preach that? Because they believe that if you have too much, you'll serve God less. 
Do you know that these people in John 6 were smart enough to know that it was God that did it? Because they all followed him after they saw those 12 baskets left over. They were smart. Praise the Lord. Anytime you see God overflowing somebody's cup in the word of God, the people never turned from him. They always turned to him and served him more. I mean, Abraham, he was made very wealthy. He was made very rich. What did he do? Stop serving God? Listen, he just got closer to God and closer to God. And you know the end of Abraham's story? He was so stinking, filthy, rich. He was so unbelievably rich, so loaded. That his son Isaac, who inherited everything, he'd go to move somewhere and the people of the land would come to him and say, we are so jealous of you. Would you please go somewhere else? We can't stand it. (laughs) These were people who served God closer than anybody that you and I probably know. Oh, this is, if you don't see how important this is to think different, then, then, well, God never promised to meet our wants. I want to take that person back into an alley. (laughs) <laughs> and pray for him. Just pray for him. That's all I do. Glory to God. Luke 5. Oh, man. Glory to God. I don't want for time. This is the story. Jesus was standing by the lake, people crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw two boats. They're left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Everybody, Peter and his fellow disciples had been fishing all night. They were tired. They were worn out. Simon answered them, Master, we've we've worked hard. Notice that. We toiled. We worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. That was good. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners. Man, it's good to be in partnership with the right people. Hmm? It's good to be hooked up when you're at a place. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. To sink. To sink. Now, for the sake of time. Did that cause Peter? Now, Peter had just heard. I mean, this was probably Peter's introduction to the ministry of Jesus. Evidently, he liked a sermon. He let him use his boat. And you know, when Jesus uses your boat, you're going to be blessed. Come on. He's not a mooch. Amen. When he says, uh, I need you to quit that job you're in. I need you to come work for me. He'll take care of you. Oh, yeah, he will. Yes, he will. He'll take care of you. Big. (laughs) And uh, so... What happened? Did they, did they 
say, "Woo, glory to God, we got the biggest catch of fish we ever got. Thanks, Jesus, we'll see you later. No, look what verse 11 says. They, they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Look, I, they got, there's so much you could say here. They got the, they got the mother load of all catches and they didn't follow the fish. They followed the master. Why? Because we follow him. We'll get fish anytime we need fish. <laughs> There's lots more where this came from. It's like the, it's like the two girls that went to the, the fair with their dad, you know, and, and the one just hounded their dad for some money. And uh, they're walking together. And he pulled out a couple dollars and gave it, gave it to the girl and, she kind of looked at her sister to tease her, and she said, I got $2. What do you got? And she thought about it and thought about it and just had her dad's hand, and she just looked at it and said, I got daddy. <laughs> they could get fish anytime they want to. The, the overflow, the abundance, the, the, the excess. Question, does God know to the fish how many those nets would hold? Why didn't he stop? Why didn't he stop at the right place? Why? Why, 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 why? Because he doesn't know when enough. enough is not good enough with God. God's not satisfied until it runs over. He's a ship sinking, net breaking, too many cows, cup running over, too much God. I don't care if I have a voice. At the, I don't care. These disciples, listen, don't buy into the lie that too much. No, you don't want too much. That's exactly what you want. Don't buy into that. You don't want too much. You won't serve God. They serve God. And how did they know when Jesus came back from the dead? How did they know it was him? Because he said, guys, cast your net in. They saw all the fish and they said, that's got to be Jesus. And they jumped. What did they do again? They left the fish, jumped in the water. He didn't even get dressed. Jumped in the water. You get the prosperity of God. You get the abundance of God. Um, you won't worship the stuff. What stuff? It's a, if you got more stuff than your neighbor, your pile of ashes will be bigger when it all burns. It's just stuff. But you need resources to do God's will on earth. Man, we need resources to get ourselves on television when it's time. Come on now. To just buy buildings. When, buildings. Buildings. Z, 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 and land when it's time to do it. You want to be able to do it. And have too much. And so I've listened. I don't, you maybe haven't walked in my shoes. I've, I've been in places where I've, I remember you, you've been watching Keith Butler with us on Wednesday night with Brother Copeland. I remember sitting at a table with him and several other ministers, and I'm smart enough, not super smart, but I'm smart enough to know to shut up when I'm in the presence of people with a lot more experience. And he was, he was sitting there, and they were talking to some other pastors, and I was, they just treated us like kings at, at his church, you know, their ministry of helps. We were there, and, and uh, I mean, you come in and there's somebody that takes your jacket when you come in after the service to their little room. You sit down at this nice table and you don't you don't serve yourself. They you know, they, they do it and all that. So he's sitting down. And he said, uh, gentlemen, <clears throat> I can't do his voice. 
need you to agree with me. I need $250,000 by the end of the week. We're going to pray. I'm thinking, I've never even said that figure. I've never even spoken a figure like that. <laughs> but but, but you, that, was, that was like me believing for $50. But they've done it, and they've seen God faithful, and they've done it, and they've seen God faithful. And what does he need that for? Huh? To buy cocaine? Huh? No, he's probably building another seven churches somewhere. Please get excited. Please, please, please get excited. I've, I've, been, I've been with other pastors. This is one pastors in New York State. They said, we got a million dollars in the bank and we don't know what to do with it. All their buildings were paid for. All their missionaries were supported big. They said, we're just waiting for God to give us direction. They weren't bragging. It just kind of, you know, came up and I'm sitting there with my mouth wide open. You got what? Where? They learn how to live in, in too much. Glory to God. I got to quit. Man, have you gotten anything today? Do you have shot glass faith? Hmm? Or you got big gulp faith? You got big vision? You a vision caster? Or you a vision blaster? Nah, that won't work. Nah, you can't do that. Nah, people won't go for that. Stand up. My cup runs over. Everybody say this with me as we're dismissed. He's a <laughs> He's a net breaking, He's a net breaking. Ship, sinking, ship sinking, cup running over, more cows than the land could hold, 12 basket left over, too much God. Now say this, enough, enough. is not good enough. Not good enough. Too, much too much is just right. Just right. Glory to God. So one more time, say that enough, enough is not good enough. Too much, Too much. is just right. just right. All right. God bless you.